Hi, thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining the Apologist Bookshelf. I'm Gary Zacharias. I just got finished reading a new book by Lee Strobel. I say new book, 2021, so it's pretty new. It's called The Case for Heaven. And of course, he's got a series of these case for books. First one started the whole thing going was The Case for Christ. I like that one a lot. I like his second one, The Case for Faith. I think that's wonderful. I've used that in our apologetics class. And like I said, a whole lot of others. Well, this one has some really uh, powerful names that are giving it a thumbs up. J.P. Moreland, J. Warner Wallace, Sharon Dirks, Doug Groteis, uh, Roma Downey, who's an Emmy-nominated actress, producer, and a best-selling author, John Stone Street of the Colson Center, and on and on, Paul Copan. So people really like this book. It's called The Case for Heaven, Trying to Make a Case for life after death, and what kind of life would it be? So I'm going to take chapter, let's see if I get the title of it here. Chapter 9, it's called The Reincarnation Sensation. I like that title. What if life is cyclical? And we're hearing that a lot. In fact, I'm talking to a person online. We're going back and forth, and I think he believes in reincarnation. He's a little um, a little fuzzy about it, but uh, anyway, I think he believes in reincarnation. So it's a big deal. And so Lee Strobel says, I need to talk to somebody about this. And he decides the person he wants to go to, and I think he made a good choice, is uh, Doug Groteis. Uh, G-R-O-O-T-H-U-I-S, Groteis. And the reason why he wanted to go to him is that he's probably one of the first Christian philosophers, modern Christian philosophers, to do a lengthy critique of Eastern religions and the New Age movement. Uh, in fact, his book was called Unmasking the New Age. That came out in the 80s and Confronting the New Age. And they followed up with a third one, Revealing the New Age Jesus. So these are in the 80s up to about 90 or 91. So it's interesting because as he sits down, you know how uh, Strobel does his books. He sits down with somebody and throws the questions out there. So he said uh, he kind of stunned uh, Lee Strobel. He said, I used to believe in reincarnation myself. And so at college, he learned about Hinduism and Buddhism. He read stuff about the occult and paranormal. And so he bought into it. But he became a Christian. And he realized that the teachings of Jesus were simply incompatible with Eastern religion. So he kept going back and taking a look at them. So he's done a lot of work. And he says, uh, these ideas are not supported by the evidence. So Lee says, well, do you see why ideas like reincarnation capture so many Americans? He says, oh, sure. It's a romantic sense of adventure. Hey, how about that? You know, you've lived before. You might live again. Who knows what kind of escapades you could have? And he gives an example of Shirley MacLaine. And she'd been a teacher on the island of Atlantis before it sank. How cool was that? She was decapitated by Louis XV. Uh, that's great stuff. But Grotai says, you know, that's completely a non-Hindu approach to reincarnation. The classic teaching is that you don't want to be reincarnated. You want to stop that and attain enlightenment. You don't want to come back. This is a wheel of suffering on life, round and round and round. And how do you get off it? Through the law of karma. It's kind of a moral cause and effect. Eventually, you want to get off that wheel of karma by becoming enlightened. And he says, you know, Americans look at this karma idea as an infinite way to get better from lifetime to lifetime. Americans are always big on that, right? We're always uh, trying to figure out how to be better people, how to make more money, how to win friends, et cetera, et cetera. 
So he says, you Americans import from Christianity the idea that life is worth living and it's adventure. But he said, no, no. The Hindu or Buddhist view of life, life is disease, it's decay, it's disappointment, it's injustice. And Lee says, well, don't they, many Americans kind of think of your goal is nirvana, kind of like heaven. And uh, Doug sets them straight. He says, uh, there's no heaven involved. Nirvana is like, he says, some people call it what's left when you blow out a candle. It's an extinguishing of the self. There's no person. There's no individual. There's no relationship. We're just to be snuffed out, to have no desire. He said, wow, contrast that with heaven. That's a place where you get restored relationships. It's pure love. You're going to be with God who's love, open fellowship, a restored creation. We will care about each other. He said, you don't have anything like this in Buddhism and Hinduism. It's just oblivion. All right, so let's take a look at some of the uh, things that Lee is going to throw at him, some of the questions. He says, uh, here's one person who is a British physicist. He says, the idea of reincarnation presents no logical difficulties. And Grotai says, oh, really? He said, it has a whole raft of philosophical obstacles. So here's one. If reincarnation and karma are true, then you'd have to have individual personal cells that can continue and come back in another life and continue in another life and so on. He said, well, that's a problem for Buddhism and some Hinduism beliefs. They don't believe in the existence of an individual personal self. So they can't support this idea of a self that goes on lifetime after lifetime. So without a soul, you don't get reincarnated. So he says these religions are logically inconsistent. You can't put reincarnation with this. He says they must be false. He said then you got the problem of the standard teaching that you're reincarnated an infinite number of times in the past. You know, Hinduism says there is no beginning to the universe. It's cyclical, and it just goes on and on and on. But he said, <clears throat> think about this. You can't traverse an actual past infinite. Infinite. You can't do it. It's like trying to debate when the origin of the universe came about. It's got to start sometime. If you're in an infinite past, he says, it's like jumping out of a bottomless pit. You never get to now. And yet we're here. So the idea of an infinite number of past lives is just logically incoherent. I thought that was a good point. Now, think about that one. If that didn't strike you immediately, uh, you can't count up to infinity, right? So he also says, uh, let's take a look at karma. He says the people who follow it say it's like a scientific law. He said, Grotai says, well, karma isn't like the law of gravity. That's an impersonal law of nature. That's just the way the universe works. It doesn't make any decisions. But with karma, you're talking about a moral law that's very different. Now, what's a moral law? It's something that's based on moral judgments. So if you're going to talk about rewards and punishments, you have to have an evaluator. You've got to have an administrator. Somebody has to listen to the evidence and say, hmm, this is what I decide. But he said, if that's true, if karma is true, that's an incredibly complicated system. It has to be implemented. How, how do you implement this unless there's a mind or an entity behind it? Here's another problem that Grotice brings up. We don't remember our past lives. How fair is that, he says, if we're being punished for something that we can't recollect? How are we going to get better if you can't figure out what you did wrong previous to that? He says, that seems dysfunctional. He said, the other thing that seems really bad about it, karma says there's no unjust suffering. Everybody gets what he or she deserves. He said, think about little innocent children who suffer. It really? Uh, so they've done something evil in a previous existence and they fully deserve to suffer in this lifetime? That seems terrible. He says, uh, in addition, Grotice brings up one more point. Maybe we shouldn't try to help people who are suffering. 
Why would you alleviate pain? Why would you get rid of poverty? The people that are suffering, the people that are poor, the people that are struggling, they're getting what they deserve. In fact, Grotai says it'd be wrong to help them. They've got to pay off their bad karma. If you step in and help them, you're just creating lengthier stays in this bad world for them. So he says the notion of karma is just insupportable. It's irrational and false. So at that point, Lee Strobel brings up uh, an old book. came out in 1956 called The Search for Bridie Murphy. And he said, uh, well, listen, uh, Doug, if reincarnation is inconsistent, what do you do about the evidence that the proponents cite in its favor? And he uses this book. The book influenced a lot of people. In fact, he says even today it's influencing people toward reincarnation. So Grotai says, we got to look deeper at it. He said that when the case was thoroughly investigated, all the evidence could be explained away without reincarnation. So what's the story? Well, there's this woman said she was born as Bridie Murphy back in the late 1700s in Ireland. And she died on a Sunday in 1864 in Belfast. Uh, yeah, but local records don't support the claims. They don't list the family name. There's no will. Uh, the husband is supposed to be a lawyer. No information from that. No obituary. She recalled a wedding ceremony she said she was part of at a St. Teresa's church. There's no church at that time. She said she lived with her husband on Dooley Street. There was no such street. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Life magazine, in fact, looked at the, all the data and said there was nothing in her story that couldn't be explained, either on coincidence or subconscious memory of some overheard conversations. So that seems to uh, kind of, the balloon has deflated there. The fact, even the woman herself, about 20 years later after the book came out and there's a big deal made about it, she said, her hypnotic regression hasn't even made her a firm believer in past lives. Wow. So then Strobel asks Grotheis, could you elaborate why you distrust hypnosis to give us information about previous lives? Because that's what a lot of people depend on. They say, yeah, I was under hypnosis, and he took me back to a previous life. But he said, Grotheis is saying, well, the subconscious doesn't piece everything together. It's scrambled with bits of things that we've seen and experienced. So he said, Maybe a person saw a film on ancient Egypt, and when the hypnosis probes, the person thinks of Cleopatra and starts thinking, hey, I was Cleopatra. Uh, scientists, he points out, have long known that hypnosis subjects are suggestible, very subject, uh, su suggestible, and they tell the hypnotist what they think they want to hear. I mean, after all, with the hypnotist, how do they start? They say, you will go back before your birth to another time and place. So the subject says, okay, I'll try to do that. Uh, a couple of psychologists writing in Science Magazine says, during hypnosis, you are creating memories. You're not discovering them or uncovering them. You're creating them. So Grotai says, I'm really skeptical about this. He says, especially because of crypto, cryptomnesia. Let's see if I can say that. He says, sometimes it's called cryptoamnesia. He says, a person oftentimes can take in information and then forgets the source of it then later recalls the information but thinks it's from a past life because he can't remember where it came from. So um, he says that's, that's happened a lot, and so he doesn't buy into that as well. So Grotai said uh, there are other explanations that we can give for these past lives. He said kids have creative imaginations. Uh, you got child prodigies that are just simply geniuses ahead of their time. You don't have to in 
uh, invoke this elaborate doctrine of reincarnation to explain some kind of a natural explanation. What about deja vu? He said, you know, a person comes into a village, never visited, and feels like he's been there before. Really? Is that because he led a prior life? He said, that's a big stretch. What if he just had a dream about a similar location or saw a scene like that in a movie or TV show that he had forgotten? And then uh, Lee Strobel says, well, what about xenoglossy, where people can speak in languages that they never studied? That's pretty hard to dismiss those. But Grotai says, well, you can't explain those. Maybe the person was exposed through television or conversations, and they just subconsciously picked it up. So Lee really pushes him. He said, yeah, but there are some cases that are really difficult to explain, right? And Grotai says, yes. And he said, there may even be other possibilities. How about demonic influence or possession? He said, you, you look at the Bible, and it says those kinds of things can happen. And the whole idea of reincarnation is to pull people away from the Christian gospel. So there'd be a motivation for dark forces to do that. And uh, Lee Strobel mentions uh, philosopher Gary Habermas. I love the material Habermas puts out, especially on the resurrection. But Habermas reported there was a case of a novelist who said she'd been reincarnated more than a dozen times. Well, later they found out that she'd been provided all sorts of historical details through her personal link to a spirit. So Habermas says this suggests that the so-called evidences for reincarnation could be coming from deceptive non-human spirit beings. Grotheis also said there's just some outright fraud that goes on as well. And finally, toward the end of this uh, interaction with Strobel, he says, let's keep something in mind. So Grotheis says, we have powerful and persuasive evidence that Christianity is true. If Jesus really is the Son of God who died for our sins, then what he says about the afterlife, that's the most credible of all. And the Bible talks about resurrection, not reincarnation. He said you'd need a lot more concrete evidence about reincarnation to overturn all of that. He said, frankly, it's just not there. So I think that's really powerful. Um, again, the book is The Case for Heaven. I, I, I firmly believe if you read that book, it's going to leave you in tears in some places. It's going to have your heart melt. You'll be excited. The idea that there is a heaven and it, it awaits us, that uh, this life is not all there is. And thank good for that and amen to that. Well, thanks for uh, listening. We'll do another podcast soon.